welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Hickey's here. Frenchie will be back next week. He's a little under the weather, uh, so we are just the two of us tonight. Matt, welcome back. I know you just got back from Minnesota, like, not even 24 hours ago, or barely 24 hours ago. How was the drive home from Indy? Was it less painful or more painful than the drive da- the drive down? Uh, it was more painful, surprisingly. Um, the drive down, the only rough part was traffic in Chicago is what you'd expect it to be. So that added probably 60 to 90 minutes. But I had two Zevias in the car ride, and that helped with caffeine and whatnot. And yeah. then... Uh, I had like, you know, I was looking forward to Bub's Burgers, got to meet Colin or see Colin and you again and meet Frenchie and Boros. And that was a good time. So I had that to look forward to on the way home. It was just kind of like, all right, well, I got to get home, get the dog and then do this, 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 this and this before I can settle down. So and I only had one ZV on the way home. So um, but I do appreciate Illinois and their utter disregard for speed limits. So that (laughs) makes the drive a little faster. Okay. Um, so yeah, good time. Um, I really enjoyed getting to see new parts of Indianapolis for the first time. Uh, thank you again to you for allowing me to crash. Um, it was great to hang out with you and Frenchie at the track and yeah, getting to meet Frenchie, it's kind of everything I expected. He's a really nice guy and it was really cool to watch the race with him and get, you know, like, Oh, did you see that? And turn one. He's like, yeah, yeah, that was crazy. Wasn't it? So yeah, it was a good time. Don't don't inflate his ego too much here. He's gonna come back next week and like think he runs the show. I mean, yeah, I I'll, I'll make sure to balance that out with some negativity at some point here. Yeah, good. We need we need lots of doom and gloom. There hasn't really hasn't been enough doom and gloom in social media this week so far. So you know, we need to definitely <laughs> work on on balancing oh, it out. Oh yeah, right. Yes, uh, today's Tuesday. Uh, for those of you who don't have a Twitter account, just be grateful that you did not yeah, have a Twitter account today. Do you know? So ironically, I, I got a, a group text today that my girlfriend was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna. I have a Twitter now." And I was, and it was like literally right after everything happened today. And I was like, "No, no, you, no, you're not gonna like it." But you know, I guess she'll find out very quickly how cesspooly it can be. Did you give her a shout out yet? No, she, she still hasn't quite figured out how to use it and asked me like, Hey, how, you know, when I see you later this week, can you, uh, can you give me the quick overview? So she hasn't used it yet. Cause right now her display name is her email address. So like <clears throat> definitely don't want that in, in public. So I know it's a little confusing if you've never used the app before. So we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there at some point. If, if she wants to shout out on there, Obviously, I will oblige when her email is not in her username. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the checkered flag. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. 
Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast. Did you teach her that if she likes something, other people can see it? <laughs> I will certainly have to do do so. Do so. And hint for many All others right. out there. Everybody can see what you do. Yeah. Um, which I've been guilty of too, so it's fine. Um Indy five hundred. It was uh, it was my first time since sixteen. You've been <laughs> nice hat. Uh, host has donned his HMD hat, which I find hilarious now. Um, it, you've you've been every year for the last couple, other than twenty twenty, correct? Well, I wasn't there last year either. La- last year was kind of weird. I, I you know, because they were still social distancing, so it was kind of hey, there's no room in the media center, but you could have a, a media pass and sit in the stands. And I just kind of felt like I might not be able to get a lot of editing and work done sitting in the stands. So I, I decided to sit it out. So this is actually the first year I've covered it since 19. But yes, this isn't my first go round, just first in a couple years. So this is my, it was my first carb day. Uh, shout out to... Mr. and Mrs. Lighting, Jill and Thomas and Jay and other crew that was there. Uh, it was really good to see them again, even though I'm going to see them in what's it, Tuesday, nine days, days from now. Yeah. So and I, you get, I get to see you again in nine days. I'm sure you're really looking forward to that again. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was my first carb day. It started off with some rain, cleared up, track dried. Uh, watched for like the first 10 minutes in turn one and then gravitated to uh where did i even go like media center area i guess oh i went up to the uh, the where we watched the race from underneath pagoda shout out eric smith for that clutch idea that you can go from the second story of the media center across to underneath the pagoda so that's where frenchy and i watched the race that was pretty awesome uh really good view of them coming down the front straight so yeah my first carb day um no alcohol obviously since we're on the clock but um you know there'll come a day where i get trashed on carb day like everybody else and uh yeah the i'm just glad colton hurt is okay yeah uh, wow. first and foremost that was more terrifying than it needed to be given that um you know, usually when a car hits from the front, it doesn't normally flip like that. And I was racking my brain to try to remember what other times that's happened. And the only one that I really could think of was Dan Weldon 03 at Indy. So I asked, uh, Frenchie and I were invited to a dinner Saturday night when you were at Cody Bray's party. It was uh, from Thanks, Cody and Kylie for hosting. Yes, from the lovely folks at HPD. And I was talking to uh, one of the smartest guys over at HPD, David Salters, and he was pretty much explaining. Now, you're not going to be able to see this if you're if you're listening to the audio, but if you're on the YouTube or the Spotify video, you'll see it essentially because at the angle of the car was, you know, kind of almost up and down. The front wheels essentially just climb the, you know, that wall between what was that one and two. So if it didn't climb the wall like that between one and two, it wouldn't have necessarily gone over but it did and again thankful for the aero screen and all the other safety components that go into that yeah so glad hurt is okay that was terrifying um obviously first and foremost thinking about safety but then second of all you're thinking sunday might be a little rough for him uh first he had to pass protocols and whatnot to get into the race and then it was a backup car, and you just knew that it probably wasn't going to go as smoothly as they wanted. Yeah. Um, so that was a bummer. And then there was also the Malukas Ferrucci contact, which turned out to be not the most dramatic thing to happen to Malukas this month. <laughs> what? Yeah, I know you and I disagreed about it. My contention was that I thought Malukas made the move very late your contention and race control's contention was that Ferrucci didn't really do him any favors. I, I think uh, we're, we're both like, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think your point is correct. I also th- like, I think there were things both did wrong that 
led to the incident. Yeah, I mean, Ferrucci was taking a, we'll say like a Grosjean line down the straightaway, like especially in the last third there, where he's kind of just like put his car in the middle. I don't know if he was trying to block or if he was trying to try to, I don't know what he was doing, but yeah, he didn't do Malukas many favors. I think to me it was like 60-40 on Malukas, but yeah, I thought the penalty was kind of harsh though, but um. I guess uh, Lucas's penalty was crashing his car and not being able to participate. So, yeah, the the only issue with like, I'm gonna say, I'll, I'll say sixty forty on Ferrucci, but also you could probably throw in Ferrucci spotter for not doing the best of jobs there. Well, that's another that's a whole other story because it yeah. was what Poncho Carter on Malukas's entry and Poncho Carter's son on Ferrucci's. I, I don't know which way, which one is which, but yeah, you know, another whole fam, probably an awkward family dinner that, that weekend, but the penalty itself is, I don't know how you like correctly give somebody an avoidable contact penalty in practice because on carb day practice, I just feel like it's a little rough because you know, you're, you're getting a, you, you haven't done a ton of traffic running throughout most of practice until you know the monday before the 500 and carb day so you're you're almost like a it's a little bit of a safety worry if if you're missing out on some practice time but obviously it didn't make a difference in the end because both finished the race in in one piece and had acceptable days so i guess it's nothing to get too bent out of shape about yeah so other than that carb day was on the racing side of it was fine um, Kanan finished P1 and was asked in the media center if there's a reason that he and Dixon are always P1 at the end of carb day and if that means anything and kind of just flat out said, nope, sure don't. It's like and when, chuckled. when Marco used to, you know, at least once or twice every practice week during the 500 would be P1. And finally last year he was like, yeah, I used to just do that for for a little self confidence gain. In other words, yes, even Marco knew it meant nothing. Yeah. So, and also, I want to state on the record that Tony Kanan and Juan Montoya should have a podcast together when they retire. I think that would be the funniest podcast available on the internet. Uh, they have a great chemistry, and they were very funny when they were doing their media bits in the media center. So. Um, just throwing that out there for those two that aren't listening, you guys should start a podcast. Uh, race day. I think we should just start from the top and say congratulations to Marcus Erickson on hell, hell of a win. an elite group of people, uh, winning it outright too. And for the deranged of the social media did not win on fuel strategy or luck. <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean, so I, you know, I've rewatched the race twice now, uh, once with Jill and once when I got home, and it's kind of crazy that he basically just lingered in the top five all day, and then that final stint with the undercuts and whatnot, he just put it to the floor, and he did such a good job of timing the passes with the traffic because he would pass Kellett and I can't remember. There's one other driver he passed that really like when he passed him, the the lapped car was lifting into a turn and it really, you know, stuck up. Yeah. Rosenquist and award and. Uh, who was the other one? Kanan. Oh, Kanan. Yeah. So he was timing those perfectly. And not only that, but he, he he got to finally just unleash his car and show what strength it had. So, uh, to me, doing that and then holding off Pato on the final restart, I think he well and truly earned that based on his calculated race and then, you know, kind of kicking it into gear when he needed to. Yeah, I first off, again, shout out to David Salters at HPD who said, I think this was during dinner. He was giving like a speech to the Honda executives that were there from Japan and, and HPD executives from, I guess, California or other places in the U S and he was like, 
the only thing they're doing for the first 175, 180 laps is setting themselves up for the final stint. And, you know, some guys get too aggressive and make a move at the wrong time or gamble on strategy. Marcus Erickson was the perfect example of wait for the end. He was never lower than fifth during green flag running and when pit stops would cycle around. I think he dropped a fifth, like maybe around the halfway mark. And he, but he was always within three, four seconds of the lead. I saw this Twitter account that does like data that half the time I can't read what they're talking about. And then all of a sudden, before the last caution and red flag, he was three and a half, four seconds up. Like he just, he just turned it on. That was a m- massively impressive performance. Yeah. So. That's one component to it. Another one, we'll touch on part two of it here in a second, but we do have a precedent of red flag towards the end of an Indy 500 if it means we can get a green flag finish in an appropriate manner. The crowd reaction at the track was very positively for that uh, red flag, or at least the, yeah. the vocal majority was for in favor of that. Yeah, red flag. What did you? I mean, I know we've touched on this before. Then, is your opinion changed on throwing the red flag there at the end to get the full show in? I think it's it's fine to do. It's not the first time they've done that. It's happened at least two or three times in the last ten years. It's a much different case than the argument I saw on social media that was against it was well, they didn't do it for Takuma Sato. We when when Sato won in. 2020 when the when Askew hit the attenuator and the attenuator was or was that Askew somebody hit the attenuator and the attenuator Piggott yeah thank you was you know needed an hour plus of repairs this was you know we just need to clean Jimmy's car off the track we'll give it a sweep and then you know we're good to go so it was I don't know maybe a 10 minute red flag tops it wasn't long so in that in this situation they're able to get going and, and get two green flag laps in there at the end. Fine with me. Yeah, see, I think the thing we're missing there is that race control had the chance to screw Scott Dixon that year, so of course they took the chance to do it. Right, obviously. Obviously. Um, I think the first known precedent for that would have been 2014. Uh, Ray Hall spun right at the end, and they yeah. red flagged it for... RHR and Elliot or either they maybe maybe they didn't red flag it but they took the pace car at roughly 30 miles an hour while they did the cleanup <laughs> which is basically the same thing as a red flag and so yeah I didn't have an issue with it um sure you could say manufactured uh, I think the saving grace for those who were against it is that the only people that really got screwed were uh Ed Carpenter and Sage Karam but Marcus yeah. still won. I would have felt bad because Marcus had that in the bag with six laps to go. And thankfully he was able to hold on. And I, the, I guess the only issue I have with the final two laps is I do think I have no problem with the weaving on the straightaways. Zero problem with that at all. I think that's a good strategy. Um, as long as you're not weaving somebody into the wall, I think it's yeah. okay. Cause like, you know, he's pretty, he's pretty cool about it. You know, when Pato tried the pass on the outside and turn one on the final lap, you know, he stopped about halfway down the straightaway. Cause at that yeah. point, Pato was establishing his run, picking his lane and going for it. And Erickson had clearly displayed that he was not going to let Pato have the inside, obviously. So the one thing I would change though, is that I don't think the entrance of the pits should be used in that manner. I don't think there should be some sort of relation. I don't know if they need to make it like a double white line or something, but you shouldn't be allowed to drop a wheel below that. And on Erickson's final lap, he went way down there and potentially unsafe. So I don't know if there's a rule against that or if race control is going to monitor that, but I would say that that has the potential to go pretty bad if you get that incorrect. Definitely a little concerning. And I, I mainly agree with you, but the pit commit, line wasn't crossed because that's actually electronically monitored by the uh by the by the car and by the track so if he was you know hit that point in the pit lane then yeah that would be a a major problem so 
you know, if it's electronically monitored, I don't really have a huge deal concern with it. I'm sure it's something race control will, you know, touch on in, in some way, shape or form in the future. Cause it was like borderline a little sketchy, but not the, not too bad. And then the reason we had that issue was because of Jimmy Johnson. Um, he's, he qualified well. And he led some laps on cycle. Yeah, not not Jimmy's best. Definitely definitely Texas was a much better oval performance for Jimmy than than Indy. I don't know if it was the heat or uh, heat, not that it was like super hot, the warmer temperatures, the wind, which caused a lot of problem for people or what have you. But he kind of, after leading some laps as people were going through the pits, he kind of just fell back and and I don't think was going to challenge for a top 10 either way. No, he he was doing his very calm approach of just kind of fading back, but then he never got back up. So not the best day not the best day for him and we'll we'll call them like maybe the rookie veterans. I mean, I I know this is McLaughlin's second time at the Speedway. Uh, but he crashed as a rookie veteran. Johnson crashed and Grosjean crashed. So kind yeah. of our our rookie veterans of the Speedway all kind of sucked. Um, so it was crazy. Jill and I were trying to recap uh, the field of 33 this year. The, the three people that we surmised have not crashed at Indianapolis and the Oval Circuit. Kyle Kirkwood, rookie. So, you know, yep. hopefully his day doesn't come, but it probably will. Christian Lungard hasn't crashed. Hopefully his day doesn't come, but probably will. And then, amazingly enough, we have not been able to find a moment where Simon Pagano has crashed at the Speedway. Wow. Isn't that crazy? You go down the field. Erickson, yes. Pato, yes. Kanan, yes. Rosenquist, yes. Rossi, yes. Daly, yes. Elio, yes. Palo, yes. Ferrucci, yes. Montoya, yes. Hildebrand, yes. Newgarden, yes. Ray Hall, yes. Power, yes. Malukas, yes. Carpenter, yes. Devlin, oh. No, Devlin didn't. Devlin hasn't. Sorry, Devlin, you're in that list as well. Hopefully yeah. your day doesn't come. But rookie. Dixon, yes. Marco, yes. Sage, yes. Harvey, yes. Um, Sato, yes. Stefan Wilson. The last year. Yes. With the, the breaks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the pit entrance. Kellett, yes. Jimmy, yes. McLaughlin, yes. Herda, yes. Grosjean, yes. Eilat, yes. VK, yes. So you take away the three rookies that we mentioned. The only one that we could not find a single incident. I don't know if we missed one in testing or whatnot, but Simon Pagano, to our imagination, has never crashed at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Wow. That's pretty and impressive because he's, he's been, been there since a few times. 2012. So All right. I, I guess we'll keep that. Hopefully keep that streak going because that's pretty incredible. I don't know if anybody's gotten 11 straight years without crashing. Can Can you write that down and save that for when we're at Road America? Okay. I'd like to. I'd like to Ask see if him. he knows. Yeah. Be like, hey, have you crashed? Hey, welcome to Road America. By the way, you've been an idiot ever and crashed at <laughs> Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Can we bring up a bad um, memory you might have forgotten about? Yeah, maybe. Um, so yeah, so Jimmy Johnson, not not only that, but obviously the the tinfoil hat brigade would have been on full alert if it was Pato who had a three second lead and he crashed. But on the flip side, it almost really screwed his teammate out of a, a clear win. <laughs> um, so I can't imagine the Ganassi area was super thrilled when they saw Jimmy in the wall with six to go. We'll we'll talk about Malukas in a little bit here. Uh, so Ganassi had a very good day. Uh, you know, obviously Erickson winning, Kanan P3 after running kind of sort of near the top eight pretty much the entire day. Polo, man, feel bad for him. He uh, got really screwed on just a, a yellow flag. And yeah, I think he restarted 27th. 27th, yeah. And Frenchie looked at me. He's like, I don't know. His ceiling might be 16th. I'm like, he's got time. Like, he's not going to win, unfortunately. He's going to need a lot of help to win. But I think he can try to make something out of it. And he was extremely positive on the radio, which is really good. Because nowadays, the normal thing to do is just be piss pants about everything and whine and complain and yell about how miserable your existence is. 
but Polo did a great job of staying positive and just calmly worked his way up. And I think that to me is more encapsulating of what a championship mentality is than anybody. Uh, so I'm actively now rooting for him to win another championship because that was an impressive recovery for him. There was nothing, probably the, the most inspiring radio message outside of anything Marcus Erickson said was Alex Pillow on the restart, you know, down in 27th saying, all right, boys, let's go do this. Like no, no fear, no sweat. Like, all right, let's make the best of it. Yeah, and I think it it probably in, in other drivers' defense, it probably is easier to have that mentality when it's complete fluke luck. It's not sure. like a sure. mechanic didn't screw on a wheel correctly, or it's not like he had a pit speeding penalty. Uh, it's just just one of those things that just happens sometimes, and it caught a bunch of people out last year too of fluke yellows. So, you know, good job on him to finish P nine and to stay positive. Uh, we touched on Jimmy for Ganassi, obviously had a rough ending and kind of a rough day in general. Uh, Dixon, though, first of all, congratulations to Dixon on taking the all-time lap leading record at Indianapolis 500 history. That's a a pretty pretty amazing record to have. This one's going to sting him for a while, though. I mean, last year, again, fluke yellow, two laps down early. Not much you can do to blame yourself or whatever for that. You just got to kind of shake it off and move on. But this one with what 25 laps to go or something 20 laps to go 30 laps to go whatever it was he to get a speeding penalty on your own mistake have to pass through the pits again and go from top five pretty much the entire day to somewhere in the mid mid 20s that's that's a tough pill to swallow yeah that hurts it's just one of those you know he said i would lock the rear brakes and i was probably a mile an hour over the limit like you just it's just one of those that's that's one of those like Indy chooses the winner sort of moments right there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what he did to piss off IMS or if he's got one of these curses on him, but man, it, if if he had not won that 28 20 2008 one, it would have been uh Michael Andretti-esque going forward. So Oh my god, yeah. I'm glad he got the one because this would be haunting if he hadn't yet. Um, so that's tough finish today. But overall, Ganassi was, to me, clearly the best team. And I would put, surprisingly, McLaren as number two. I mean, the, the two main drivers qualified well. Montoya had some tough luck with weather and where he drew and whatnot. And, or I guess with his being last to qualify because he failed tech. Yeah, uh, but he even even he recovered. He was pretty quiet all day, but still finished P eleven. So that was really impressive by him. And they uh, also nailed every pit stop. Like, yeah, I think they had I the mean, lowest collective pit stop time out of any team, as if I saw correctly earlier today. So it's very very unMclaren like. They had no pit mistakes. They had no contacts with anybody, and they didn't really shoot themselves in the foot at any point. Yeah, so that was. Really good. It was kind a very of impre- very impressive weekend by McLaren. Uh, you know, albeit without a win, but still super impressive. Right. So hopefully they can kind of use that as a springboard into the rest of the season. Um, we'll touch on the championship here when we talk about Detroit, but the championship is now looking very good. Should be a very entertaining second half of the season here. Uh, on the flip side, Team Penske did not have their best day again. I do have a hot take that'll accompany that here in a second, but uh new garden P 13, something happened to him on the third or so stint that dropped him from eighth or ninth to 20 something. Yeah, actually not to give Cody Bray a positive shout out on one of our episodes, but he said that new garden stalled leaving the pit box in second gear and they had to, you know, push him back and get him restarted again. So that kind of cost him, battling for a, probably a top five okay so now i have to say something negative about cody bray yeah um he's never won a hairy. league race yeah that too actually i got to touch his hair which is weird he was like he was like cutting something or preparing some food or something and i just like stroked his hair real quick i'm like oh that's what that feels like i'm like it feels oh. like a wig <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah so but he he recovered a p13 which is not great but could be worse uh, Will Power also stalled at one point, I think it was the second stint, and 
he had a cool moment. He basically overtook all of the third row on the start of the race. <laughs> uh, so he gained three positions immediately, which was epic to watch on the straightaway. I would like point in French. I'm like, what is he doing? Um, but then he also, he was starting to fade too. He, you could clearly tell his car wasn't handling correctly because towards the end of, end of stints, he was being passed by everybody. Um, and then he also stalled. So he had to go to the back and then McLaughlin crashed from kind of lower top 10 area, I believe. Yeah. In that area. 11th, 12th ish. Yeah. So, um, not a good day again for the third year in a row for Penske and all this raw, raw nonsense we heard about the day after the Indy 500 last year, how they're going to circle the next one and they're going to have it fresh in their memories and put everything they can into nailing this 500. I'm not sure we saw any of that come to fruition at any point this month. I Other think than the power qualifying was, effort. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know how much stock I put into that just cause that was kind of a cluster with draws, weather, things like that. Um, I think the only highlight for them was kind of like the open test. I think they did pretty decent. Um, so here's my hot take. You're Joseph Newgarden. You have, what, two championships now? Team Penske is going to give you one of the best shots to win at every race in the calendar, minus the Indy 500, if they keep going at their current rate. Do you probably look at switching teams to someone else that gives you a better shot at winning the one thing missing from your resume, or do you just keep on keeping on and continue to be a force at just about every race except the Indy 500? Cause I know what my answer would be. Well, I, I see your point. I also think there are, you know, times when teams are the dominant team, like Andretti for, you know, a while was the dominant indie team, not so much the last couple years. So, you know, this is just Penske's turn to not be the dominant team. He's already under contract for another couple, maybe another two years as it is. So I would say stay with Penske because I think no matter what, Penske is still, you know, always going to be the cream of the crop. And maybe one year you get lucky and, and they Penske figures figures it out. So I I just don't think you can turn away from Penske unless, unless, unless it's Ganassi. Like, the, you know. There are exceptions to the rule, but I would say, no, I would stay. Because there's no, I mean, for me too, yes, it does ebb and flow for sure. And I think we saw a significant gain from Chevy this year in certain areas. But, you know, it seemed like, you know, Ed Carpenter racing is pretty fast there normally. Uh, Dryer and Reinbold is good for a, a sneaky result here and there at Speedway. But it seemed like Team Penske is kind of middle of the road Chevy team, which isn't how that should be working and i don't know with the there's not really any changes coming next year to the car so i would go ahead and not bet on team penske next season doing anything relevant at the indy 500 and then with you know new components coming or whatever in 2024 which who knows we've seen how that's been the last couple years with delays i don't know I uh, I would be looking long and hard in the mirror. I mean, I know Stallings is not Team Penske's fault, but it's not like he was P1. So he was having a good race, though. Like he was, he's moved up five or six spots. So I think he was top he five from... contention if if he didn't if he didn't stall. Agree to disagree. I think. I think top 10 was in the realm. I don't know about top five, but I've, I'm pretty sure Simon Pagano was probably smiling ear to ear, given the fact that he probably kicked, he was probably in front of most of them the entire day. I'm not saying he was definitely going to finish top five, by the way. I so said it, it, he would have been in contention. I was kind of bummed because I think Simon was ahead of Elio for a good majority of the day. And then Elio got him at the end. So yeah, I think that was a teammate. Like if, if Elio has got a little bit more speed than me, you, you know, let him let, let me know and I'll and I'll let him get around me here. It was one of those teammate being nice deals. Yeah. So which else? Oh, Andretti. <laughs> Oops. Other than Rossi, was there any positives to Andretti Autosports Day? Devlin kept it in one piece. Yes, Rossi, I'm sure. Rossi Robert did the work was of very thankful for that. Rossi did the work of three men with the amount of 
overtaking he he did, especially on one of those restarts where he went almost three wide into turn one and and made that it stick. Epic. Yeah, so I mean that was you know 2019, 2020 Rossi at, at Indy this weekend. Uh, so he was definitely the Andretti highlight. Otherwise, you know, Colton, not really his fault. You know, gearbox issue might have been because they were on a backup car. They weren't was really competitive. Kind of pretty much his fault, though. Fair. I mean, the gearbox issue wasn't yeah, his the gearbox fault. failing is not his fault, but them being in that situation was his fault. Grosjean, rookie mistake. <laughs> who, win, who could have ever saw that coming? Yeah, wind catches you out. You're probably not taking the best line. Yes, it is what it is. Not the worst thing we've ever seen, but definitely, definitely a, a largely a forgettable Andretti month of May. Yeah, Marco was Gosh. nowhere. He did lead a lap, but that was because of being off strategy. Yeah, I love the decision to get new tires at the end too. For got to one lap sprint <laughs> from restarting like twenty fourth or whatever, and. Yeah, tough for Rena's VK too. He, he was talking all month about how he's grown and how, you know, the difference between him a couple years ago versus him now is, you know, his patience or whatever. And I don't think he, he wasn't being impatient by any means. He just got caught out, which really sucks because yeah. he was going to have a really strong day. So that one will sting for sure. And yeah, that Tony Kanaan. Yep, go ahead. You go. Well, Tony Kanaan kind of alluded to in the press conference afterwards that if circumstances don't come together, this may have been his last one. Uh, if not, he thinks his next one will definitely be his last one. And talking about how he just doesn't want to show up for a team just to participate. <laughs> Foyt. So hmm. I, I personally don't think it's his last one, but what do you think? Definitely not his last one. If you, if you can pull out a, a P3... I think you at least deserve a, you know, another and that 500 only type deal at Ganassi or, or somebody strong. You know, I think the American Legion was very happy with Tony's representation all month. He did a great job talking about their mental health awareness campaign every time he was in the media center or in the bullpen. So I think from a sponsorship sponsorship perspective it should be relatively easy to get what he needs to race next may yeah shout out to american legion for not only their mission but their activation all month was incredible and and we got to see that kind of unfold display on our end too so that was really cool so uh yeah i hope he's back that livery was looking pretty sweet out there and i hope we i hope that wasn't the last uh indy 500 but it if it was, I'm glad he got you know a huge ovation at the beginning. And when they, when Dave Calabro was doing the, you know, naming off the top three and like cheer if you think so or cheer if you want Pato to win, and it's like cheer if you want Kanan to win, the place just erupted. Um, so he's clearly one of the all-time favorites of the Speedway, and for good reason. So I hope it's not the last time we see TK. So Mark Erickson got to pull home 3.1 million dollars from the purse. I'm really curious, really curious to see how all that works. Like what percentage of that goes to the driver? What percentage of that goes to like crew for the bonus? What percentage of that just goes right back into team? It all depends on their contract. Chip Ganassi's next steak night. Yeah, it's all contract dependent. So tough to say, but I would be be curious, like a general. Imagine the top team would be, you know, driver gets 25% or something. I don't know. But you imagine a team where you know funding basically was short, and you had to, you had to, you know, s- throw something together last second, kind of like a Stefan Wilson. I wonder if, if he gets any of it, or if it just goes straight to the team. I'm guessing um, Stefan's goes straight to the team. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm always curious about that. But the uh, the post post race honors, uh, Jimmy Johnson was named Rookie of the Year for the Indianapolis 500. So congrats jimmy congrats congratulations yep you had a great qualifying session 
and you were a great ambassador for the sport and for the speedway all month. Mm-hmm. Can I stop now? Yeah. Can I rant? You want to go first? Go ahead. Yeah, sure. So I understand that the Indy 500 Rookie of the Year encapsules, you know, how he is with the media, how they are for the sport the entire month, et cetera, et cetera. All well and good, Jimmy. But, you know, by default, Jimmy almost wins that because he is one of the most popular figures in motorsports in America, no matter what series he would be racing in. So it's kind of like, I, I get it. He's great with the media. He's very nice. He's, he's really, I do enjoy talking to him. But I feel if you are the Indy 500 rookie of the year, unless every other rookie crashes out as well, the fact that you don't finish 500 miles should be wait like the race itself, like on a, if you're waiting ever, like each thing gets assigned a point value, the Indy 500 should have the most point value over how he is with the media or how he is for the sport and raising awareness for the sport, et cetera, throughout the month of May. You didn't finish 500 miles, whether it's your fault or you get plowed into. It's not like he was going for the like if you're going for the lead, you're making a you know last 10 lap pass and you're trying to get the lead. I'd be like, all right, you know, I I can respect that. This decision, I I just don't get it. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just unfortunate. But, you know, it is what it is. Malukas has handled it very well all day and probably all week. And I talked to him briefly this morning uh, for maybe about 10 minutes. And, you know, he was trying to use it good spirits and listen, it's, it's probably almost helped him a little bit to, to have his name out there. Like as the, he got robbed because he's, he's gained a lot of social media following in the last 24 hours. So maybe it's kind of like a, a blessing in disguise, but definitely don't like what I, what, the result was yeah and there's another problem is there's no transparency with the voting like we don't know who got to vote and who voted for whom um for the sake of full transparency i just want to say before i start ranting that i am in david malukas's will so that is probably did, why i'm talking how did that way. happen i don't know i'm i'm like a very distant lithuanian too there's <laughs> something okay but right. uh yeah, it's absolute horseshit that Jimmy Johnson, despite you know, all the positives around him, got Rookie of the Year when he had a worse race than at least three of the rookies. Um, and you're right. You know, if let's say Jimmy Johnson was top 10 all day, fighting for P7 with eight laps to go, and there was contact and crashed, or he spun and crashed, and, you know, his top 10 effort was ruined, then it'd be like, you know, I'd be fine with that. But he, he didn't do anything in the race at all that would merit, like, any sort of, wow, he did a great job in the race. Like he just faded to the back and didn't really climb back up and then crashed and almost screwed his teammate. And somehow that gets to rookie of the year, like Alonzo. Alonzo was running a great race and led laps early and climbed to the front and blew an engine. And now, you know, Ed Jones also had a great race that year, but I was fine with Alonzo winning rookie of the year that year because he did a, he had a great race for yeah, he was the whole time. In, he was in contention for a good finish, like a top, yeah. Top five. I don't remember exactly where he was. I think he top 10 from seventh or something. So yeah, he yeah. was, he was right there all day. So I had no problem with that at all. Um, so yeah, I think there, the whole, the whole thing needs to be a little more transparent. I feel bad for Malukas. I think Kirkwood's comment on Twitter was hilarious. He's like, I risked my life on the last lap to try to pass you for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's funny. It's, it's yeah. a lot of things I want to say. Probably can't say right now, but why I not? Just, well, you know, I don't want to get canceled yet. Maybe someday. It's it's just like and I appreciate everything Jimmy has done for IndyCar because he really is a great ambassador for the sport that he hasn't been in for a long time. But just don't like the result. Yeah, so I'm not going to lose sleep over it, but I, I I think 
the general consensus on social media wasn't necessary. It was, I kind of feel bad for both of them because it's not like either of them asked for right. anything. It's not like Jimmy, like the hate that Jimmy's getting, he he's not the one who picked himself. And, you know, with Malukas, there were certain individuals who went to great lengths to defend Jimmy winning. And he didn't ask for that either because he was just, you know, minding his own business. So um, it is what it is. Uh, I'll keep using the retweet button at my own discretion and we'll leave it at that. Um, anything else from the 500? Um, I, like I said, it's, it's been a long time since I've done it. So my, I think my new fear, favorite pre-race tradition was taps. I thought that was pretty incredible. It uh, was, I enjoyed, I thought the America, the beautiful was sung really well by that trio a, a, a boy named a girl named Tom, a boy named Tom, whatever they were called. I'm so sorry. And Taps was great. Back home again in Indiana, in, in in Indiana was great. So it was really cool. And then in the middle, after the anthem, before back home again, Doug Bowles was sprinting up pit lane to get towards the front, and there was a group of shirtless people who had probably a few beverages who were chanting like let's go Doug and Doug was like give him like the fist in the air back like hell yeah and like that was super cool to see I don't understand how Doug Bowles has as much energy as he does because the man sleeps like three hours a night so Doug if you're listening please share your energy somehow but yeah it was great to see everybody back you know there was what over 325,000 people there in the end and I didn't see any empty spots at, at all anywhere so it was it was a lot of fun. I am still recovering on the sleep front, but hmm. it was you know it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to have you and Frenchie helping out all weekend, and I will make sure to say hello to Jill and Co. in Road America since I was a little tired this week this weekend and didn't go out of my way to say hi to some people. So yeah, it was a, you know, it was a lot of fun. If you get drunk with us, I'll sacrifice my bed position for you. Wow. Well, I have a hotel, so that doesn't really... Uh, See, I knew it was going to be something. That doesn't really help me. And you know I uh, won't do that anyway. I know. That was... Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, so Taps was super cool. Back home again. It was actually kind of tough to hear back home and get in Indiana from where we were. We didn't get to hear the full oh. effect, I don't think. Okay. It's kind of a bummer, but uh, I sang it at the top of my lungs anyways, so it's all good. And... Uh, we got to see uh, the captain give the command right next to Kathy Penske, his wife, and the grandkids. And that was an unexpected treat. So uh, we were standing at the rail and we saw them coming up and and we kind of sacrificed our spots in the rail for the grandkids so they could see, which was an easy decision because like, she owns the place. Yeah, yep, she owns bravo. the place. So why wouldn't you do that? So. Yeah, it was super cool. It was really nice to talk to her for just a minute, and and she's an incredibly nice person. So that was uh, an unexpected treat. So I hope to cross paths her again someday because that was really nice. Yeah, and before we do prediction recap or driver of the day, whatever, also shout out to Eric Smith for all his awesome writing all month and Kevin Dijewski for sitting next to me and putting up with me for the last couple of weeks. And it was a treat to have Jack Benyon in town for the uh, for the last two weeks over from the UK. If you don't follow his writing on the race, he's really smart, much smarter than I am. So check that out. Those are all the people who are sitting in my vicinity. Predictions? Or do you want to do... Oh, we got one more thing first. All right, let's do some uh, recapping of the predictions. I chuckled when I got home and looked at them. Uh, coming in last was david lighting he had rossi p5 scott dixon p21 and vk p33 yeah it was looking it was looking good until it wasn't for him host coming in second with polo p9 carpenter p19 and mclaughlin p29 so that could have gone a bit better there with some circumstances coming in first was me uh, let's see here. I had Erickson P1, Pato P2, and Herta P30. So, yeah. two very good and one not very good. 
Um, but I'll go with myself pat on the back for this kid in first, second, right? Who was your driver of the day? Well, let's let's just say that we can't pick the winner of the race because, like, that's very obvious. Marcus Erickson won his first Indy 500. So I'll go with Alex Rossi. Did not qualify particularly well. Comes out, makes a ton of passes, finishes top five, his best finish of the year. Probably the momentum he needs for you know, the rest of the season. Yeah, so, yeah, I think I think Rossi did everything he could do this weekend. I'm actually, I mean, you know, Paddle did very well, obviously, and that's kind of the second year in a row that he's done very well here at Indy. So I think that team has the kind of the car and whatnot figured out. So expect them to be strong next year. But kind of want to give a shout out to Felix Rosenquist, who had a very good day as well. And, you know, on the final restart, I mean, he kind of was basically in the top five pretty much the whole day. The final restart had a hell of a run going into turn one, but Pato did a great job of placing his car in the correct area without making it like an obvious block and, you know, kind of killed Rosenquist's momentum and allowed Kanan to pass on the outside, which good on Kanan and Rosenquist for getting through turn one safely. But yeah, he, he did a great job. He had a hell of a undercut, I want to say. Well, it was either an undercut or an overcut to get him in the lead before Erickson chased him down. Uh, but yeah, he did. Uh, it might've been enough to, you know, convince the execs to keep him on for next year. If he can continue this momentum for the next couple of races in this key kind of negotiation signing period, because that was a great race. The one thing I forgot is to shout out Marcus Erickson's strategy on that fight before that final pit stop, they purposely wanted to get him, behind a couple cars that were lapped so he could use them to draft to pick up some speed and and get some some momentum going that was perfectly executed yeah also connor daly we haven't mentioned his name yet but hell of a job uh he his strategy was phenomenal whoever got him to the front there pitted early in the window and then caught a yellow and got go to go straight to the front so that was well done Santino Ferrucci, I don't think, was outside top 10 much of the day. He did a hell of a job with the Dry and Reinbold team and the the effort that they put in. He's finished in top 10 every start he's out of the 500 so far. So he's clearly doing something right, and I hope that continues to provide opportunities for him, especially on the ovals. I think he's kind of a treat there. So uh, another really solid effort there from Santino. Who was your disappointment of the day? I'm not saying this to pick on him, but Jimmy Johnson just kind of you know had a a great month, and then the race came and just wasn't particularly competitive. Yeah, out out of the out of the finishers, I'm just gonna kind of just pick a team and maybe just say since there's only two of us here, I'm just gonna say Ray Hall Letterman. That's fair. He had had a pretty quiet month. Graham finished 14th. On the lead lap, Lungard finished 18th on the lead lap. He had some kind of quietly good overtakes on the day. Uh, Jack Harvey, they gambled on strategy towards the end with a very long fuel window to try and make that didn't work. Uh, so unfortunately, he uh, it didn't work, which it wasn't going to work anyways. They were about six laps away from making it work, uh, so he finished a lap down. But he he was towards the back pretty much the whole day. So. This team has definitely not met expectations this year. And especially after a strong 500 last year, it's kind of a head scratcher as to where they've gone wrong this year, but clearly something's not working. So hopefully they can sort that out. Anything. Wow. We spent a pretty good chunk of time talking about the new 500 as we should, but anything left before we move to some Detroit items. Thank you everybody for following along and listening I still have some t-shirts left from the month with our logo on it. So if you want a logo t-shirt, well, I will not be at Detroit. I'm taking a rare weekend off, but I'll be at Road America and most of the other races. And they'll be right in the back of my car. So come grab one. Thanks for all the support all month. And I had a blast. Yeah, it was a good time. 61 days until the next 500 as of recording. 
something like that. I don't know. Math isn't my strong suit. Let's move on. Yeah, thanks to a bunch of the league guys for hanging out. That was really awesome to meet you, meet some of you, slash see you guys again. Um, I can't wait for Road America already. That's going to be a fun, fun weekend. Got to meet a couple other people for the first time. That was really awesome. So it's great. So thanks to everybody who made the month a memorable one for me. And you saw your friend Paige. Yes, I saw my friend Paige for the first time since Iowa. I want to say Iowa 18. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, it's just it for me personally, you know, people, people like David and people like Paige and a bunch, you know, some of the guys in our league. Finding people in your age group to talk about racing, especially since it's, you know, we're talking like pre-drive to survive area where racing wasn't viewed as quote unquote cool or whatever. I mean, I met Paige and Lighting on Twitter a de- like literally a decade ago and, we, you know, just struck up a relationship talking about, you know, racing and then connecting on you know, life stuff and checking in with each other and see how we're doing every now and then. So to, to get to meet people like that in person, you know, constantly attracts is, it's kind of a, a big treat. And I, I don't take that for granted. Cause that's pretty awesome. That's the, that's the positive side of Twitter that I always talk about that comes out of that cesspool. So it was a good time. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, meeting lighting met me to got me to Jill and now road America will never be the same for me. So, Twitter's pretty cool to use correctly. Or I could go start a war with Kyle Kirkwood over nothing. Kyle Kirkwood likes emo bands. <laughs> Which is okay. <laughs> let's let's not get it confused. That's okay. Uh, there's a team announcement coming up on uh, Friday, and if it's what we think it is, then we were both wrong. Yes, we would be both wrong there, and I, if it is what we think it is, I have also been told it is what we think it is. So, you know, we'll see on so Friday. Congrats, so congrats to the driver. We think it is on the team that you're joining next year for who we think it is. And if you watched <laughs> or looked at the Indy 500 last week, you're probably going to be licking your chops for next year. Yep. Um, so congrats unnamed driver on your unnamed deal for the unnamed team that we don't know what you're talking about. Um, last ever race at Belle Isle. Could you ever imagine a day we said that? Without it being like, you know, oh, we're never coming back to Detroit ever again. Yeah, it's weird. I Well, you're not even be there, so you already you've already had your last Belle Isle race. Yeah. Yeah. Um Did you go last year? No. So your last I, race last there was with twenty nineteen. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's a bad way to go out. <laughs> no, I mean I am sad mainly because I have some concerns over that proposed downtown layout that we saw, you know, a couple of months ago that looks pretty awful, but what? I, that doesn't look awful. Yeah. It looks pretty bad. Oh, okay. All right. Well, so I, I, may, I, I mean, I may need to come back as a guest and then and, and talk about that. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm, Hopeful that maybe you know it's better than I remember because I could, you know. I think you're mistaking it with Miami, which I know commonly happens when Detroit, Miami people get those confused all the time. I feel like we saw a layout that like, yeah, I could be I could be wrong. Let's just pretend I'm wrong in this case. All in right, most well, cases, that's what I usually do. But uh, I mean, there's I mean, there's nothing. I'm kind what of frustrated. Well, yeah. Well, I guess my only rant about Detroit this year is I'm kind of frustrated because I think it was the last year. We proved that we didn't need to go from Indy to Detroit in one week because they took a week off, gave teams a chance to recover after a grueling month, and ratings were still fine. And this year, we're back to going back to Detroit the week after Indianapolis and then Road America immediately after. And I'm just, you know. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's that's a, a tough burden for teams and whatnot. So... Not really thrilled with the scheduling on that one, especially since we went the first 75 days of the schedule with three races. Yeah, it's, you know, that's also part of the reason why I just decided to take a week off because it's essentially haven't done that in a month and a half at this point with going back to, I guess, a month going back to to Barber and, and everything. So it's been a long month and also every Detroit I 
typically travel on my birthday weekend. And for once, I, d- I didn't really want to do that. So I'm just going to watch it from home and have a nice relaxing weekend. And then I'll be back on the road for Road America. Woot. So you're going to be nice and recharged and ready for a beer. Yeah, I need a spotted cow or a three while I'm there. That's like 100%. I thought you were going to bring spotted cow. Down to Indy. Indy? No, your case of beer was the Minnesota beer. I mean, delightful, by the way. Is it? I I finally got... I gave Jack one at Cody's party, and he's like, it's fine. It tastes like a bush light. Then he sent me Snapchat today. He's like, this is actually pretty good. I'm like, yes. I mean, listen... Jack doesn't really have an exquisite taste in beer. He's a simple New York man. New Jersey. New Jersey. What? It's all the same. <laughs> oh, he's going to not like that. He's not listening anyway, so it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I mean, there's nothing. It's Detroit. It's the, bumpy. It's bumpy. The weather's going to be nice. There's going to be it's a typically a track where the red tires have an extreme fall off compared to the black tires. So that will be something to watch in terms of strategy. Someone's going to make a boneheaded move in turn three. Yep. Uh, all right, let's do it. Let's, I like this prediction thing we got going. So yep. we'll alternate uh, two picks on the stronger side. So you go ahead first. Okay. I will take below. All right. I will take power and new garden. Okay, give me Pato. And then who's your? Well, hang on. Should... Let me point out. Let me pull out the points because the points actually never touched. I was gonna say, on should it. our our last pick be a rookie? Like, so you're forced. Well, to how about someone outside maybe the top ten in points? So right now, top ten is Herder, Rosenquist, Pagano, McLaughlin, Dixon, Newgarden, Power, Pillow, Pato, Erickson. Just want to point out though before you give your prediction that the top eight are now separated by sixty nine points or less. So we may have ourselves a pretty good championship here coming if uh, if there's some ebbs and flows to these, you know, if 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 Joseph crashes one race and, and Rosenquist has a podium or something like this could be a, a rapidly changing. It's not like some of the some of the ones in years past where your polo who won a race before IMS and had pretty much was solid before you got to IMS and then finished second at the Indy 500 and left with a massive points lead. We don't have that this year. We have a, a pretty good championship battle brewing, which is actually good after this double points that there isn't someone with a, an overwhelming, you know, favor to win the fight or to win the championship. So I think it's going to be a good championship battle, but who outside the top 10 would you want to, would you want to pick for, for Detroit? I will take Alex Rossi. And I'm going to take Graham Rahal. Good pick. All right. We'll, uh, we'll see who just doomed who on Tuesday when we get to talk about Detroit and then preview this. Well, I still maintain Road America is the best weekend of the year. It doesn't have the same pageantry and history as Indianapolis, obviously, and Indianapolis is – mega in so many ways but for on a personal front for the personal experience road america is my favorite weekend of the year then i will say road america is second after indy for essentially the same reasons all right guys well we'll be back next week to like you said recap detroit talk about road america enjoy our f1 this episode tomorrow as well french and i'll talk about the snoozer in monaco and the race control fun at the start of that race. Have a lovely weekend of racing. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. 
Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run, where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along The Planted Runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. 